0: <laughs> Thanks Peyton and welcome back Bears fans to another episode of the Chicago Audible. game week is finally here and our week one matchup is rapidly approaching with kickoff on Thursday night. I'm your host and I'm elated to finally be back into a game week groove and to provide you with our end season episodes. Today's show is our first meet the opponent episode of the season So to help us meet the Packers, I sat down with Bryce Christensen of the Unknown Packers podcast as he shares his first-hand account of the team. So without any more delay, let's dive into that conversation. Hey Bryce, thanks for joining me today. Our listeners are eager to learn more about the Green Bay Packers as we prepare for kickoff on Thursday night, and I need to know, are you as excited as I am to kind of get this season underway? Absolutely. I mean,
1: this is the 198th meeting of the Green Bay Packers and Chicago Bears. And first and foremost, I'm super excited to be on the Chicago Audible. And I think it's a great example of how Bears and Packer fans can get together, talk football, talk the rivalry in a very supportive and collaborative way. So thank you so much, Will, for having me on the Chicago Audible.
0: Like I mentioned, I'm excited to have you on as well. I really, really am. It's great to learn more about each of our opponents, even the Green Bay Packers. And like you said, we get to kind of collaborate, learn more about, you know, one another's team and things of that nature. But I just want to kind of go ahead and begin with the biggest offseason change for you guys. And that's, of course, bringing in Matt LaFleur as your head coach. What are your thoughts on him so far? And I know it's difficult. He hasn't coached a single game yet, but what's the consensus in Green Bay about the guy?
1: That's a great question, and I think that's what's going to permeate. It definitely has permeated the training camp and preseason. Um, it's a new offense. It's, an, it's a new structure, to be quite honest. You have Mark Murphy, uh, who's our president, who cleaned house. He hired Brian Gutekunst as a general manager last year. And the biggest concern was this power structure of uh, – of a president, of a general manager, and then a head coach, a general manager and a head coach reporting to the president separately. Well, that all failed. They they exiled Mike McCarthy unceremoniously during the season, in my opinion. But. They ushered in Coach Lafleur. It seems that like Gutekunst and Lafleur connect really well, and that's the important thing. My hope is that Mark Murphy allows Gutekunst and Lafleur to focus on the football operations, and then Mark Murphy doesn't make the same mistake that he did with Ted Thompson, providing too much trust and assuming that Ted had um, all the answers and the keys to success when his health was declining. In regards to your question about Coach Lafleur. I think uh, the Chicago Bears give us a perfect parallel on what Matt Nagy can provide in the first year. Uh, I believe you guys went 12 and four last year as a first year head coach. And so for me, that gives me a little bit of optimism with Coach Lafleur. The, the thing that I want to remind football fans and Packer fans, is that it's a new offense, it's a new scheme. Aaron Rodgers just had an article that was released by Rob Demosky, Packers writer for ESPN, and he said that it's going to take a while for the offense to click, and just because they didn't have anything in preseason where they didn't take any snaps doesn't mean that that's going to dictate why it's going to take some time during the season. I think about week seven, week eight, we'll have a good idea of what this Packers team will be like. And if it's clicking by then, I think this team could be very scary. In regards to Coach LeFleur and what kind of culture he brings, it's different. Uh, He's been very open with the media. He's answered questions. He's bristled a couple times, for sure, especially with the whole 80-yard field in Winnipeg, that snafu. But what I like is that he listens. It seems that he collaborates and players respond. And that's what you need. You need to buy into what the coach is trying to then instill. And that's something that where I feel the team and McCarthy fractured. So I think the biggest concern for LeFleur is, is this stage too big for him?
2: How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors?
3: Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client.
2: Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it.
1: Or can he emulate Coach Nagy and uh, have a successful first year? I guess time will tell. I'm going to wait till about week six, week seven to determine if uh, Coach LaFleur and the Packers are clicking.
0: Obviously, you just talked about it's going to take some time for things to click, but what do you believe is going to be the biggest improvement under LaFleur in his first year? Uh, Really, for lack of a better answer,
1: I just think fundamental football. I think what you noticed last year, especially in the preseason and in week one before Rodgers got hurt against the Bears, that first drive with the Bears and Packers in week one in 2018, you could just tell that. Rogers wasn't happy there was definitely some very um, evident friction and then sure enough the wheels fell off and it became a dumpster fire and Mike McCarthy and many others were were then fired so I think for me it comes down to fundamental football it's going to take a while because this offense is complex or the uh, the playbook the scheme is complex but Rodgers is a really cerebral player. I think he wants to be pushed, and that's something that McCarthy wasn't doing. So I think what's exciting is that Lafleur is going to instill this new scheme which has Rodgers behind center more and not in shotgun. And with that, tighter formations, a lot of pre-snap movements, a lot, again, emulating Nagy, a lot of confusion before the snap, having the defenders uh, just pretty much follow where, where different players are going, that gets exhausting. So for me, I think Rodgers and Lafleur. as long as they're both buying in, um, Rodgers is the MVP, in my opinion, of the team and possibly in the NFL. So if he's buying in and they're clicking, watch out. This team will be really dangerous.
0: So it sounds like you have some pretty high expectations for Aaron Rodgers in this new system with his new head coach. Do you have confidence that it's going to be a positive relationship between the two and they're going to find ways to find success? It, it has to be.
1: I think uh, a lot rides on Coach Lafleur and his tenure as a Green Bay Packers head coach and also Aaron Rodgers' legacy. He just had his, uh, what might be his final contract extension with the Green Bay Packers that'll have him play till age 40. He just recently said that the perfect end game on the Rich Eisen show was he would win the Super Bowl in 45 and ride off in the sunset. I would love for that to happen, but um, I I definitely am not going to hold my breath. I, I think... That if Rodgers and Lafleur are on the same page and this offense that Lafleur is instilling begins to gel and is cohesive and Rodgers is the driver, I think that this is – that'll be the weapon or that'll be the key for success for the Green Bay Packers. Does it mean that it's going to happen? I don't know. Uh, there's a lot of questions. There's a lot of ifs. This is a whole new team on the offense and on the defensive side of the football. And so, for us to expect that the Packers to hit the ground running week one and propel, we've had two back-to-back losing seasons. Haven't made the playoffs in those two years. And a lot of pressures on Coach Lafleur as a 39-year-old first-year head coach. So I'm going to be cautious. But if it clicks, um, I think that we have the potential to have a very dangerous team that could make a deep run.
0: All right. So what should we expect from you guys on the ground? Green Bay's running game isn't usually a strength, but it does appear that the Packers are very excited about what Aaron Jones can provide this year. He's been, a, at least in my mind, an ineffective player who has some durability concerns and wasn't really properly utilized in the past. How big will his role be you know, this week and, of course, throughout the season? Uh, you hit it right on the head. The durability concerns
1: are definitely the biggest uh, blemish for Aaron Jones and then also the proper utilization of him. Last year, he was not utilized effectively, although in 12 games, he had 934 yards from scrimmage, 728 on the ground with eight touchdowns, and he led the league with 5.5 yards per carry and then is the all-time Packers leader in yards per carry with 5.5. So when he was used, he was dynamic and the biggest thing for him is durability. I think that with coach LaFleur, like I mentioned earlier, there're going to be a lot of pre-snap movements, um, a lot happening before um, uh, before the uh, a lot will happen before the play is called. And so for me, uh, with this zone run scheme with coach LaFleur, he he ran the ball heavily in Tennessee. They come from that Kyle Shanahan, that Mike Shanahan tree that likes to run the ball. Aaron Jones transformed his body and I keep on saying it on our podcast. He transforms his body, but he really did, uh, took a healthier approach to his diet, cut out a lot of sugar, ate healthier and uh, trimmed his body fat from 11% down to five and a half percent. And typically when you lose that fat, um, you become leaner. He kept the same weight. So he trimmed all that fat and kept the same weight. So I think that if he can endure, um, the the grind of being a running back in the NFL and ho- and how much Lafleur is going to use him if he can stay healthy I think he'll be a top five running back top six running back in my opinion again the biggest question is can he stay healthy if he can't then we have to go to Jamal Williams who was drafted in the same year a few years ago um, out of BYU he's just more of a guy that can um, Bla, uh, is a really good pass blocker. He can um, catch the ball. He just does all the little things, but he's not as explosive as Aaron Jones. We have a rookie that we drafted in the sixth round out of Notre Dame, Dexter Williams, a.k.a. The Juice, and he struggled in preseason, but he picked up blitzes uh, quickly, which shows me that he can handle the grind of the NFL and take that uh, college-to-NFL leap, and he's got that explosiveness. So hopefully... He's running back three. Maybe he can be that running back too. But as long as Aaron Jones is healthy, I do think that the Packers will be um, a new team moving forward where Lafleur will rely heavily on Jones, and that will create opportunities for Aaron Rodgers. And I think that they're going to just have everything come from the play action. But again, if Aaron Aaron Jones is not healthy, um, who knows
0: what will happen. Now, what about some of the wide receivers? Any guys that you're particularly high on this year? Is there a player that can kind of step up into that wide receiver two role behind a Devontae Adams? Because last year, there was just a, such a huge drop off between Adams production and then the next wide out on the roster. Is there even a need for a wide receiver two? I assume there is. Uh, You're right. With Devontae Adams, um, maybe I'm biased, but I think
1: he's a top three wide receiver. I think he's a technician when it comes to route running and how much uh, separation he creates. And uh, he's just a finisher. Has 35 touchdowns in the last three years, I believe. And so uh, very impressive stats on him. And that's the biggest question. Who's going to be the wide receiver, too, for the Green Bay Packers? And I think that when the first person that comes to mind is Marquez Valdes-Scantling. He's in his second year. He was a fifth-round draft pick out of South Florida last year. Uh, the biggest thing is that the Packers cut fourth-round pick from last year, Jamon Moore, and so clearly they, they think highly of Marquez Veldes-Scantling. And then we had a sixth-round pick last year in Equinemius St. Brown, who was put on season-ending IR. So out of those three, three rookie wide receivers that we drafted last year, Marquez Veldes-Scantling is the only one on the active roster right now mm-hmm. and I think uh, has the most potential to explode uh, he had 38 receptions for 581 yards and two touchdowns. And as a rookie, I thought that was impressive. He is going to be a very different type of wide receiver than uh, um, than Devontae Adams. And I think when you look at uh, a two-game stretch for the Packers was in the middle of the season, I believe, Week 7 and Week 8 with the Rams and New England Patriots. You got to see what Marquez Velva Scantling could do. Uh, scored a 45-yard uh, touchdown on a on a quick, um, pretty much in the corner pass from Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Jump ball, was able to haul that down effectively. And then against the Rams, on a deep post, hauled hauled another 45-yard reception. So I think that he's got the potential, but it's asking a lot from a year one to year two jump. Will there be that year two jump, or are we expecting more of a third-year breakout for Marquez valdez Scantling? So that le- uh, that leaves me with Geronimo Allison, who undrafted free agent out of Illinois. He had uh he was on pace for a thousand yards before having a season-ending groin issue or groin injury. He only played five weeks, but had 20 receptions for 303 yards and two touchdowns in those five weeks. A guy that has great rapport with uh, with Aaron Rodgers, but personally, um, Marcos Valdez-Scantling seems like the guy that needs to be that wide receiver too. The Packers are counting on him, but I do believe the team revolves around Aaron Rodgers, Devonta Adams, and Aaron Jones, to be quite honest.
0: Well, if the team revolves around Aaron Rodgers, obviously, priority number one should be to protect him. He was sacked 49 times last season, so what has Green Bay done to kind of correct that this year? And do you have confidence that your guys can kind of slow down the Bears pass rush on Thursday?
1: Uh, Slow down the Bears pass rush? That's a tall order. And um, I like to think that I'm a very grounded Packers fan. And so I'm nervous week one with the Bears Packers. I think that that line with Hicks and Mack um, is going to create some trouble. And I think that Brian Gutekunst, our general manager, recognized that having um, one of the top tiered teams in the nfc be in your division in the chicago bears a lot of people think that the chicago bears are going to regress when they finish 12 and 4
3: finally a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds meet the ergo smart base from Tempur-Pedic. our first system that detects snoring then automatically adjusts by raising the bed get your best sleep all night every night for a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. pediccom
1: I don't think so. I think that Nagy and that run game and uh, Trubisky doing all the uh, little things correctly, I think they're still going to be dangerous. So for me, will they stop the pass rush? Um, you can only hope to contain them, in my opinion. And uh, our bookends are our bread and butter with David Bakhtiari and Brian Balaga. Brian Balaga, um, although played 16 games last year, has a checkered uh, injury history, uh, so will he play 16 games? And I think Gutekunst addressed that this past offseason signing Billy Turner from the Denver Broncos, four-year deal, roughly $26 million, I believe, to be the right guard and possibly right tackle if Brian Balaga were to miss any games. The Packers then fortified that offensive line in the second round of the 2019 draft by selecting Elton Jenkins, uh, who was the number one rated center by Mel Kuyper, take it for what it's worth, uh, from Mississippi State. And he's... Now the super backup right now, Packers were speculating that he might start uh, at left guard, but we have Lane, da- Lane Taylor, who's a seven-year um, veteran, a four-year starter, uh, going into his last year of his contract. So You've got Lane Taylor, who has that experience at left guard, and you have Corey Lindsley, who I think can be a Pro Bowl center. Um, Elton Jenkins was drafted to pretty much be plugged all across that line. And so I think the starting five, Definitely um, is our strength. The biggest question is: Can they maintain for 16 games? Can Balaga stay healthy? Can Bakhtiari stay healthy? Uh, can Lane Taylor uh, bounce back from a disappointing 2018 season? So I think the Packers are putting a lot of faith in Lane Taylor at left guard because he had a disappointing year last year, and then the Packers drafted Elton Jenkins in the second round, which made people think, "Well, is that Elton Jenkins going to be the left guard?" Um, but it was just named that Lane Taylor will start left guard week one against the Bears. And then Elton Jenkins, our prize second round draft pick, will probably be a plug and play type of guy all over the line if need be. So when you're looking at that starting five, David Bakhtiari, Lane Taylor, Corey Lindsley, Billy Turner, and Brian Balaga, uh, that's, that's a tough, tough line to, to uh, create any sort of pressure at the quarterback. The biggest question is, just like any other team, is can they stay healthy? But I do believe that we have the depth, and I think that that is the key. Um, last year was a dumpster fire, in my opinion. So the 49 sacks, which was uh, shocking uh, to realize, I do think that uh, a lot of it is because we did not have we we had Byron Bell at right guard, a guy that we picked up off the streets that was waived by Carolina the year before, and now we brought in uh, Billy Turner, paid him money. And might have paid him a little bit more, but now you don't have to worry about uh, um, a plug-and-play, an undrafted free agent being a week one starter against Hicks or Mac. So uh, a long story long or a long answer, I think that the offensive line, if healthy, is uh, next to Aaron Rodgers, the MVP for a successful season for the Green Bay Packers.
0: All right, let's switch things over to the Packers' defense. You guys made a handful of moves this offseason that has the fan base excited, like Zaydarius Smith and a guy that we all know too well here and Adrian Amos. The Packers also drafted safety Darnell Savage in the first round, so what are you expecting from some of those new faces on your defense uh, this season and, of course, Thursday night? Yeah, uh, when it's a whole
1: new scheme and new structure with head coach LaFleur, uh, we actually have a second year defensive coordinator in Mike Pettin. And last year, uh, I thought he did an outstanding job for what he had. And Gudakunst our general manager, realized that the cupboard was bare and decided to fortify the defense by bringing in the two Smiths, Darius Smith and Preston Smith, and then Adrian Amos, and then drafting Darnell Savage, like you mentioned. So as much, uh, I guess, mystery on the offense, there's going to be a lot of mystery on the defense. In the preseason, both head coach Lafleur and Mike Pettin were very vanilla in in what they deployed in their packages. I think the biggest thing for Mike Pettin that maybe Bears fans will keep an eye on is that It'll be very similar to what Coach LaFleur will run, which is very similar to what McVeigh and Nagy run, I believe, where they have the similar formation but different play calls. So you can see the same formation on first down, second down, third down, but they're all different plays. And I think that's what makes Petten really dangerous is that you could, have, you could stack the box and have – eight guys coming in, but which ones are going to drop back and which ones are going to attack the quarterback? And that's where Pettin is really successful. The biggest key is you have Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, Darnell Savage, and Adrian Amos who are expected to be key contributors, and they're playing their first game against the Chicago Bears. And, again, I think uh, for me going into week one, um, I just want a small wins. I just want to see uh, just some sort of positive impact. The biggest concern on defense is tackling. I think that's the Achilles heel. And I know in preseason, you don't really know what type of defense you're going to get, but that's just fundamental football. And if you can't tackle, I think that translates to the regular season. And our inside linebacker position when Oren Burks went down week one in preseason with a shoulder injury, he was not put on IR or designated to return, so they're expecting him to be back in a couple weeks. He's not going to play. So I think if there's a weak spot on this defense, it's that inside linebacker, and how are you going to cover those running backs for the Chicago Bears and that tight end with Trey Burton? So that's the biggest concern is can Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith, can they drop back in coverage? Can Adrian Amos be more of a... Um, that general on the field uh, being on a new team and having a new defensive coordinator. So a lot of questions going into week one.
0: All right. Well, you just talked about inside linebacker, obviously, and Achilles heel on that defense due to the injuries. But if you had to look at a position and kind of deem it as the strength of that defense, which one did it be? Was it defensive line? Is it your secondary? A combination of the two? What is it?
1: You know, when you uh, when you sent over a couple of questions for me to prepare, I, this was the one that really made me think uh, a little bit longer than I had wanted. Um, it, it's a new team. And so even though it's a second year defensive coordinator in Mike Pettin and I like what I saw last year, you just have so many new faces and you have a lot of different players. Uh, people replacing significant players in clay matthews and nick perry Haha ha clinton Dix and mike daniels so uh although they were disappointing last year mike daniels had a good year last year but was cut released due to contract issues and uh them being excited about kenny clark and a couple other uh young defense alignment but i would say probably our strength is defense align with Kenny Clark being a, a rising star, in my opinion, um, I think that he can change and tilt the field very much like Aaron Donald. And I know maybe whoever's listening is probably thinking, oh, there's a Bears or Packers fan, you know, pumping up his team, talking about them too much. But I, I think Kenny Clark has that it factor. And when you have that it factor at uh, a D-tackle position, I think that tilts the field uh, differently than an edge rusher or a cornerback or a safety, just like Aaron Donald does. Do I think that they're on the same wavelength? No. But I do think that Kenny Clark is trending in that direction. So I would say probably the the strongest uh, unit would be the defensive line. But to say the overall um, impact, I would say – the players, I would look specifically, are Jair Alexander and Kenny Clark. I think those two are the, the, the pulse, um, the lifeblood of this defense. And I think they're going to dictate how this defense plays by their swagger, by their play. Um, but there's a lot of injuries. There's some a lot of questions. But I, if you had to uh, corner me and, and ask me what I thought the strongest group would be, it'd probably be D-line because I think our best player is Kenny Clark.
0: I mean, you've talked about injuries off and on throughout the episode, but I want to kind of go on the record and make things official. Which injured players are kind of taking the greatest toll on the Green Bay Packers heading into week one?
1: Well, I mentioned Oren Burks, who uh, we drafted in the 2017 draft in the third round out of Vanderbilt. Um, He's not a thumper, but he's a sideline to sideline guy. Um, He's not going to play, at least now that we're recording this, uh, there, has no, there hasn't been anything confirmed on the severity of his injury. All I know is that it went from season-ending injury to maybe IR designated to return to now not being on the IR and being on the 53-man roster. So I don't think he plays week one. He's probably a couple weeks out. Um, but outside of that, I would say the biggest injury would be um, Kevin King, who uh, has been hampered uh, since being taken in the second round in the 2017 draft, uh, has been hampered uh, off and on throughout his career as a, as a guy that has been labeled a shutdown corner potentially with his, his size and his measurables. Uh, he is going to play week one against the Bears, but he's a guy that has had nagging shoulder injuries, has had a lot of surgeries to correct those issues, and this is dating back to high school. So there's a reason why Kevin King fell out of the first round and was selected in the second round by the the Green Bay Packers. And there was a concern when we drafted him because of his injury history. So the biggest thing is if he can stay healthy – uh, then we have two lockdown corners. We have two shutdown corners in Jaguar Alexander and Kevin King. Kevin King has proven, uh, just like last year in week three, I believe, or week four against the San Francisco 49ers, uh, had a, a interception at the end of the, the game when the Niners are driving to ice the victory for the Green Bay Packers. So he's got that it factor that I talk about. The biggest thing is can he stay healthy? He's a physical defensive back, so that's where those shoulder injury concerns um, or the the shoulder injury really concerns me is he leads a lot with his shoulders. He's a physical type of cornerback. So I just, for me, I think the writing is on the wall that he's going to miss a game here and there. But the biggest question is how many games is he going to miss um, anything over 12 games? In my opinion is just uh, it's, it's house money. It's free money for, in my opinion, but uh, there's no huge injuries outside of Orm Burks, not playing week one, as far as I know. And Kevin King is ready to go, but he hasn't played in training camp or in the preseason. Will Will he be able to kick off that rust and will he be able to stay healthy? So he's probably the biggest um, question mark for me is, can he stay healthy?
0: Let's kind of flip it just for a moment. I want to know your perspective because I'd really want to learn more about what you believe are the biggest challenges that the Bears present you guys this week. And then also, what do you perceive as the Bears biggest weakness? That's a great question. Um, what I'm
1: really concerned about is our inside linebacker position. I think uh, Blake Martinez, when aided by Kenny Clark at D-tackle, uh, can get to the quarterback, can get to the running back, can, uh, is really strong in the run game. It's that pass game that really concerns me. And Oren Burks, who was drafted to be alongside of him, um, is, is injured. And then you're, you've got a seventh-round draft pick in Ty Summers, who had a pick six last week. Um, that's a tall order. Week one against the Chicago Bears, a seventh round draft pick, albeit he's had uh, some great play this preseason. It's just the tackling. I think the biggest concern for me is um, the tackling has always been an issue for the Green Bay Packers. It wasn't preseason. Maybe it's just because uh, they didn't want uh, to be as physical. They were concerned about injuries. Petton was more vanilla uh, with his play calls. But I think the biggest concern for me are uh, three players but two different positional groupings the first one being David Montgomery and Tyreek Cohen I think what Matt Nagy does really well is that confusion right uh, that pre-snap confusion um, which again concerns me with the personnel that we have on defense I don't know what I'm going to get out of Zadarius Smith and Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith and Darnell Savage and Adrian Amos. I don't know what I'm going to get out of Kevin King. Um, is he going to stay healthy? So there's a lot of questions. And granted, David Montgomery is a rookie. But um, there's a lot of, at least for me, and maybe I'm just blindly putting a label on him, but Matt Forte was a Packers killer. And for me, I just see a lot of uh, resemblance with Montgomery and Cohen uh, I can just see them really dictating how the game is played and being a big problem for the Green Bay Packers, especially if those tackling concerns continue from preseason on into week one. Uh, Another area of concern for me, maybe Packer fans aren't really uh, focusing on it, is Trey Burton. I think that Allen Robinson is definitely going to get his yards and get his, his receptions. Anthony Miller, I think, might be quieted with Jair Alexander uh, being the lockdown cornerback that he is. Uh, but Trey Burton, I think that uh, we don't have the personnel that matches up with him. So then again, is it Adrian Amos or Darnell Savage that you know spies on Trey Burton more often? Blake Martinez will be tasked to spy on Tariq Cohen and David Montgomery. Is he quick enough? So I think the biggest concern is, and what I think, um, I think the Packers are going to struggle week one. I think it's a new offense. Um, We just have to be patient. I just want to see small wins. And I think the Bears are um, top two, in my opinion, maybe top three, if the Packers can click, (laughs) if they can click uh, throughout the regular season. But I think... uh, the Bears, I'd be fooling myself if the Bears aren't uh, a formidable opponent. And I think that uh, they're the favorite to win the NFC North and quite possibly might have a first round buy and home field advantage throughout the playoffs but again, I think it re- it relies on Montgomery and Cohen. If we can stop them, if we can neutralize and isolate them, then uh, the ball is in Trubisky's hands, and then we then Trubisky has to beat the Packers. And I feel a little bit more comfortable with Tr- Trubisky trying to beat us rather than Montgomery and Cohen. But Trey Burton is a is a guy that finally
3: a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur Pedic, our first system that detects snoring then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. pediccom
1: The Packers, um, that kind of size, that tight end, we've always had problems with. Um, we have tackling issues. We don't have the speed to cover them. So two new guys, Savage and Amos, can they neutralize? Can they stop Trey Burton? So if Trey Burton has a big day, I think I think the Bears win pretty handedly.
0: Now news for you, Trey Burton, he rarely practiced in training camp. He didn't play in the preseason. He wasn't uh, dressing or participating in the practice yesterday on Sunday in front of our media. So there are questions about his durability, and his availability on Thursday night. But getting back to the Packers, is there anything else? You're the expert on the team. I want to know, is there anything else that you believe that our listeners would benefit from learning more about? Because I love to hear it. And uh, good to know about Trey Burton.
1: Uh, that's a great heads up, and that uh, bodes well for for me and uh, the Green Bay Packer fan base and the organization. Uh, I think uh, the thing that I'd like Bears fans to realize, and maybe they already know, But uh, Aaron Rodgers plays really well in Chicago uh, in the last 21 games is 16-5 and with 45 touchdowns and 10 interceptions. Um, I'm not trying to throw any sort of shade or brag about it, but I do believe that um, with it being a new offense, with it being a new scheme, with all these new faces, key departures leaving the building, this whole new team, Aaron Rodgers being one of the oldest guys, if not the oldest guy on the team. Uh, it's still his team. He's still the general. He's still the MVP in my opinion. If he's healthy, if he's happy, if he's um, chipper Rodgers, uh, he's got a chip on his shoulder, uh, that's the that's the quarterback that I want. I don't think Bears fans want that kind of quarterback, but that's the quarterback that I want. So I think if Rodgers gets protection, um, he's shown that he can be deadly in Chicago. But then again, uh, this is a really strong Chicago Bears defense. I think if there's an area that maybe Bears fans aren't really focusing on is, um, again, I think uh, what uh, these new faces can do uh, to this defense. So what will Darnell Savage be like as a safety that, um, in my opinion, looks like a great white shark out there, uh, a guy that can diagnose plays uh, in a blink of an eye and can pursue and pretty much track down anyone. Uh, quickly, so he's a guy that I think can be an X factor. Uh, even though he was a first-round draft pick, the Packers traded up uh, with Seattle from 30 to 21 to acquire him for two fourth-round draft picks. Uh, everything in in rookie minicamp, OTAs, and training camp is Darnell Savage was a steal. Should have gone in the top 10. So maybe he's a guy that can make us. Uh, sleep better at night knowing that we passed on Derwin James, and now that we have a guy in Darnell Savage that I think can lay the thump. We haven't had a guy like that in a while. Um, I'll, I'll be quite honest. Out outside of Aaron Rodgers, uh, we really haven't had. I mean, Mike Daniels was a talker, so was Clay Matthews, but we haven't had a guy that has really been able to uh, lay some pain down and and just let the the opponent know that hey. We're we're bringing our A game, and so I think Darnell Savage can be that type of guy. Again, he's a rookie. We'll we'll see what happens, but outside of Rodgers, I think uh, if Darnell Savage makes some plays, um, if he lays some hits, um, that that'll that'll probably make Chicago be a little bit more hesitant on if they're going to attack wherever he's at. So I think a guy that uh, Bears fans should probably familiarize themselves with is uh, rookie safety Darnell Savage because I truly believe that uh, uh, um, the sky's the limit for him, and he just changed his number from 26 to 21. So maybe there is some uh, bad dreams, some nightmares of uh, Charles Woodson coming back with a new 21 roam in the field.
0: All right, Bryce, I just got one more question for you. Actually, it's a two-parter. It's how I end every meet-the-opponent episode. And the first part of that question is, why will the Packers win on Thursday night? Why the Packers will win? I'm going to change it, and I'll
1: say uh, if the Packers win. If 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 Rodgers comes out and the offensive line is able to neutralize, I keep using that word, the defensive front of the Chicago Bears, if we're able... To run the ball effectively, everything's going to stem off of that. So, Rodgers was in shotgun formation 71% of the time last year. He's going to be behind center now. So, tighter formations, a lot of pre snap movements. So, if Aaron Jones is able to run up the middle, is able to churn yards, everything stems from that. So, I think if that happens and the offensive line is able to give Rodgers some time, I think. That will be the recipe for a victory. But I'll I'll say this: um, if Rodgers has an okay game, I, I think I think the Packers lose. Rodgers needs to come out and be the guy that has been sixteen and five in the last twenty-one games at Chicago with forty-five touchdowns and ten interceptions. He has to be that effective. And I think that uh, there's this there's some revenge tour from last year getting hurt, even though we came back and won in Week One. Uh, we lost uh, in December against the Bears, I believe 24-17, if memory serves me correctly. So I think that um, this rivalry uh, has always been uh, one of the greatest rivalries in sports, especially with the fan base. But I think it's taken on a whole new level with Aaron Rodgers and the Chicago Bears, especially with the injury last year. I think he wants to go toe-to-toe with Akeem Nicks and Khalil Mack. And I can't wait for Week 1 Bears-Packers. It, it, it's what... Everyone should want, uh, week one of the NFL is, uh, two of the greatest teams, in my opinion, in professional sports, the Chicago Bears and Green Bay Packers. But if Rodgers has an okay game, the Bears win. I think Rodgers needs to be great and it stems from the run, in my opinion.
0: Well, I'm sure you already know what's coming. It's just the opposite of the question I just asked you. What's it going to take for the Packers to lose this game and of course lead to a Bears victory?
1: I think if the defensive line of the Chicago Bears gets after Aaron Rodgers, I think that, uh, I think that bodes well for the Chicago bears. I think if, uh, you, cause again, with it being a new offense, a new scheme, Rodgers needs to get into a rhythm. And if you're able to disrupt that, that bodes well for, for the bears. Um, in my opinion, if Trubisky is to be like an Alex Smith type of quarterback limits, mistakes is able to uh, keep the chains moving, is able to manage, uh, the football field. I think that'll bode well. So for me, uh, As long as Trubisky uh, doesn't turn the ball over, I think the Bears will win. But if he does, that's where Petten shines. Petten is a defense that maybe will give up yards, will miss some tackles, but uh, a lot of their opportunities arise from creating turnovers. So if Trubisky turns the ball over um, and the Packers win the turnover game uh, or the turnover battle, I think the Packers come away victorious.
0: All right. Well, that's all I have for you today, Bryce. Again, I really appreciate the time that you took to kind of hop on the show, give us your first hand account of the Green Bay Packers heading into this week one matchup here in just a couple of days. Thanks again, man. Thank you so much, Will. And I like the fact that Bears and
1: Packer fans can get together, talk about what A great rivalry it is and show everyone else that Bears and Packer fans can come together and talk Green Bay Packer and Chicago Bears football. So thank you so much for having me on the Chicago Audible. I hope to be on again when the Bears and Packers play later in the season.
0: I hope that you enjoyed Bryce's insight on the Packers as much as I did. And let me tell you, it's exciting to hear that the Bears have some respect up in Green Bay. You can really see that Bryce takes our team seriously. Now up next... Nick and I will break down everything you need to know before Thursday night with our weekly game preview episode. But until then, bear down, Chicago.